Go ahead and be opening up your Bibles to Luke uh, chapter 24. And uh, actually the resurrection story is there in, in chapter 24 verses 1 through 12. Uh, but in just a moment when I start reading, I'm going to back up into chapter 23. Uh, you know, uh, today is not a day to get cute. <laughs> Uh, today is not a day to necessarily uh, try to be more creative than the preacher down the street. Uh, there are many analogies that people will be using today. There are many stories that will be told today, many illustrations that will be used today. But they all fall short of the reality of what really happened. And so I just want to back up into chapter 23 and, and just read the scripture of what really happened that day. This is Luke's account of, of, from the people that he talked to and there are other details that are added in the Gospel of John and the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Mark. But Luke covers it pretty thoroughly, and everything is here for a reason. So follow along with me in Luke chapter 23 and verse 26, where he starts off and, and says, now. Now, when he says now, that now is this is Friday, all right? Jesus has already been arrested. Jesus has already been gone through a mockery of a trial he has been beaten. A crown of thorns has been placed upon his head. He has been scourged, whipped, made fun of, lied about. People have mocked him, the Son of God, to his face. And when the opportunity came for people to speak up on his behalf, they said, we want Barabbas. When Pilate asked, well, what do you want me to do with him? They all yelled out, crucify him. So now, as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian, who was coming from the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it, after Jesus or for Jesus because Jesus was physically beaten down to the point where he couldn't carry it all by himself. And a great multitude of the people followed him. The women who also mourned and lamented him. But Jesus turning to them said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not Weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For indeed the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren and wombs that never bore, and breasts which never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For as they do these things in the greenwood, what will, they, will be done in the dry? In other words, things are going to get worse and more intense. 
There were also two other criminals led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on. But even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And the inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. So when the centurion saw what had happened, he glorified God saying, certainly this was a righteous man. And the whole crowd who came together to that site, seeing what had been done, beat their breast and returned. But all his acquaintances and the women who followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Now behold, there's a man named Joseph a council member, a good and just man. He had not consented to their decision indeed. He was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of the rock where no one had ever lain before. That day was the preparation and the Sabbath drew near. So 
It's Friday. It's moving to Friday evening. The Sabbath would start at sundown on, on what we would call Friday evening. The Jews would call it Saturday morning at sundown. And the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after. And they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. And then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils. And they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. So it's Saturday. And the body is laid there in the tomb. And all day Saturday, the dead body of Jesus lies there. Chapter 24, verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, it's Sunday. Things are changing. Very early in the morning, right after the sun breaks, as soon as that Sabbath is broken and, and the sun breaks and they can go, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. Why are they bringing spices there? Because they're expecting a body to be there in the tomb. That's what they are expecting. They saw Jesus die. They're going to anoint his dead body. That's what they are expecting. But, verse 2, but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this that behold two men stood by them in shining garments. Now shining garments means they're more than men. They look like men. They have the appearance of men but they're angelic beings that are there. Verse 5 says then as they were afraid and bound their faces to the earth they the angels said to them why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful man and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven. That's the, the twelve disciples minus Judas, the eleven, and to all the rest. And what Luke doesn't mention here, John mentions that, that on their way as they are leaving, going to, to do that, Mary runs into Jesus, doesn't recognize him at first, but Jesus tells her, it's me, Mary, go and tell my disciples that I'll meet with them there in Jerusalem. Verse 10, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales. And they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves. And he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. They're beginning to figure it out. But back up in verse 5. No, notice in verse 5 what, 
what the, the angels say to these women there. When they, they ask them this question, they say, why do you seek the living among the dead? What, the angels are not surprised to see them there. They're not sitting going, what are you doing here? We weren't expecting you. No, the reason they're there is to see these women. That's, that's not what, why they're asking this question. They're asking this question because it's a, it's a probing question. They're, they're probing their hearts. They're, they're challenging them. They're saying, you're coming to seek Jesus, but who was this Jesus that you're saying? Do you remember who he is? Do you remember who he claimed to be? Do you really understand who this Jesus is that you're, you're coming looking for his body? Do you know who he is? They're, they're, and everything is beginning to change in that, in that moment. Their hearts are beginning to change. They're beginning to, to realize and, and, and to see what they believed is true. He is everything he claimed to be. You see, that Sunday, everything changed. Everything changed. And by the way, the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. It changes everything. And the question is, is not has everything been changed, but has everyone been changed in particular? Have you been changed by the power of the resurrected Jesus? I want us to delve into and just make the proper application of this, this question. Why do you seek the living among the dead. And so, let me ask you this. Are we living among the dead? He says, why do you seek the living among the dead? What are you doing here among the dead? Are we living among the dead? That's, that's what they're, they're going to a graveyard here. They're going to a graveyard thinking that Jesus' body will still be there. In verse 1 he says, now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they, uh, they the they is the, the women that were preparing the spices and the oils up in, in uh, chapter 23. They and certain other women with them, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared because they're expecting a body there and then they get there and they find the stone rolled away you remember uh, in, in the other accounts that they were questioning how are we going to move the stone but they get there and the stone is rolled away and they go there and the body of Jesus is not there it says there in verse 4 it says and it happened as they were greatly perplexed they're, they're questioning what's going on they're confused about what's going on that all of a sudden behold suddenly two men stood by them in shining garments these angels appear to them and then they were afraid and they bowed their faces. They still don't understand why they're going. And then they're asked this question, why do you seek the living one, <laughs> the living among the dead? That word dead means no life, no activity. There's no life in the graveyard other than those that are coming to, 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 to visit. There's no activity. There's no spirit. And they are, so here they are in this graveyard surrounded by death. And by the way, that's the world that we live in. Do you recognize that? The world that we live in is a, is a dead and dying world. We're surrounded by the world that we live in. It promises life. It, 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 it looks like life, but it's not life. 
It's not real life. It's not the abundant life. It's not the, the, the resurrected life. It's not the life that the, the author of life gives to us and breathes within us. And yet, we give our lives to the dead world around us. It's like we're like the, the Gadarene demoniac. You remember when Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee to Gadarenes? There was a man that was possessed with this legion of, of demons there. And where did he live? He lived among the tombs. He lived among the graveyards. That's the way we tend to live in this world. And we go into the graves. We go into the empty things that the world offers us looking for life. And there is no life. All we get is the experience of death. The experience of death. Their their experience there was was one of of grief. It was one of, of gloom. It was one of darkness there. It was one of confusion as they, they get there and they're expecting Jesus to de- his dead body to be there and he's not there. Where's the body? And that's what this world of death brings to us. Everywhere we turn, there's pain, there is hurt. There grief is one of the deepest emotions that we go through. There's loss everywhere we turn and that's all the world offers us all the world offers is is get the most out of this life here because then you're gonna die and that's all the world can offer and yet yet we run around and we try to find life in these things we'll even make the statement that that this is this is my life that that uh, uh, our our family is our life. Our job is our life. Making money is our life. Our sports team is our life. And, and uh, this passion uh, is our life. And we say it's our life, but there's no life in those things. Only death. And then there's the pain of death with which... Every one of us here in some way or fashion through a loved one, a family member, a friend, a very close family member have experienced the pain of death. And we've experienced the pain of death here in this world and that's all we have. It's, it's hard for them to see what's going on because the tears that are being shed and and oftentimes it's hard for us to see what God is doing and see his offer of life and understand what he's, what he, where life can come from because of the pain that we're going through. Death is, is, is painful and, and death separates us. Sin separates us from, from, from everything. That's what death means is separation. It separates us from life. It separates us from joy. It separates us from peace. It separates us from God. And the wages of sin is death. And that's what death brings as we go after these other gods as we put all these other things and put our hope in our and look for joy we may have temporary joy but in the end all it brings is misery and and emptiness there's the emptiness of 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 death that that life in the graveyard is leaves us empty and and that's where they find even when this uh, the angels uh, appear there. They find that they're afraid. They bow their faces to the earth and, and all they're, they're in this place of brokenness. They're in this place of confusion. They're in this place of, uh, of fear. There, there's no help, hope in the graveyard. There's no hope in the, in the things around us. They're, they're, they're looking for help. And even Mary, when she uh, uh, later on when she sees Jesus, she says, do you, do you know where his body is? And thinking that he's a, a gardener there, thinking that he's someone that works there in the in the graveyard and he goes oh Mary (laughs) and she realizes it's him it's him 
You may be here today, outwardly you look like you got it all together. But inwardly you're seeking, you're searching. Is this where you're at today? Living among the dead? You've tasted the things of this world, you've tried the things of this world, you've pursued the things of the world, and all you got back was emptiness and pain. Because that's all it can bring. But I got good news. You don't have to live among the dead. You can live with the living God. That's, I love the way the angel asked this. He said, why are you seeking the living among the dead? He's not dead. <laughs> he doesn't bring death. He is life. He is the author of life. He is the giver of life. The word living there, it means to, to breathe. It means to be active. It means to, to move. It is, it is life. It is power. And that's who Jesus is. And that is what Jesus brings. Jesus, and in, in, the, in the, the book of Revelation, John describes him there as the one who lives. Yes, the one who was dead, but the one who is alive forevermore. He's alive, he's living, and he brings life. There is this, this promise of life that, that comes with, with Jesus. And it says there in, in verse 6, uh, well, back up in verse 5, it says, they asked that question, why do you seek the living among the dead? They said, he is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee. They're talking about him, it's him, it's him. Verse 7 saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful man and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words, the living words from the living one. There is this promise of life. He said that all these things would happen. He promised them the resurrection. In Matthew 16 and verse 21, it talks there about how he told them that he would be suffered and, and how he would be killed and reviled and, and yet he would be resurrected on the third day. In, in Matthew 17, 23, he even talks there about the, the beating that he would go through as well as the suffering and the, 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 that he would be put to death and be raised from the dead. And Matthew 20, 19, he even talks there about the mocking and the scourging and that he would die by crucifixion. They would crucify him. But he said, but on the third day, I will rise again. In Luke 9, 22, he even talks then about how he would be rejected and, and, and be killed, but he would rise again. In Luke 18, 33, he says, I will rise again on the third day. And in John chapter 14 and verse 2, he said that not only that he went to go, uh, go and prepare a place for us, but that he would come again and receive us unto himself. Why? Because he will be alive. Alive. He told them over and over again that he would die and be raised from the dead. But not only did he tell them that, but he also promised them that through him, through his death and resurrection, he would bring life. In John chapter 1 and verse 4 it says there that in him was life. And the life was the light of all men. And then in John chapter 10 and verse 10, 
He says there that the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. And then in John chapter 14 and verse 6 is where he said, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And then in John chapter 11 and verse 25, Jesus tells Martha there, I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. He shall live. Jesus has the promise of life. and Jesus brings the experience of life to us and into our lives. In verse 4, back in, in Luke chapter 24 is where it says that suddenly they appeared and everything began to change. And that's the way Jesus is. Suddenly he brings change. He brings the the power of the resurrection. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, Paul said, This is what life is all about, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to the image of his death. He is the one through his resurrection, through his death on the cross and his resurrection. Our sins are forgiven. Now we have a, a new heart. He gives us a new heart. He gives us victory over sin. He gives us the victory over death and now when we die death is not the end we have eternal life in him and not only we do we have the power of the resurrection in our lives but we have the presence of the living Lord in our lives because of the resurrection if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior if you receive his life then you will never never for one second be alone again he's alive and he is with us and we are filled with his presence. We hear his voice. He leads us. He guides us. He equips us. He empowers us. And we are filled with his person. We have a personal relationship with him. And now God is our father and we have a relationship with him as well. Is this your experience? Have you experienced life? Well, if not, then you need to receive life. There is this receiving of life. Notice in verse 9, when these women, when they returned from the tomb, they told all these things to the leaven, to all the rest. And it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. Each one of these women had their own unique testimony. They had the testimony that Jesus was alive. They also had the testimony that they were alive. Mary Magdalene is the one who had seven demons cast out of her by Jesus and had been set free. She had a testimony of life. Joanna, we don't know a whole lot about her, but it does say in Scripture that she was healed both spiritually and physically, that she had received life. We don't know what her ailment was, but she had been healed by the touch of Jesus. And she had life. Mary, we don't know a lot about her other than she was James's mother. But James, that apostle, was his experience was not her experience. She had her own experience. And she's not there with James. She's out seeking Jesus and following after him. And then they come to these disciples, and verse 11 says, And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and 
Stooping down, he saw the linen clothes lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened, trying to figure out what's going on. You see, these, these women, they had their testimony, but the disciples had to stand on their own feet. They, 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 they didn't believe at first, they, and, and, and that's true of us. See, I can stand up here, and I can share with you my testimony, but my testimony is not your testimony. Your faith must be personal. And just because your, your spouse believes or just because your parents believe or just because your children believe or just because your, your, your grandmother or your grandfather believed, that doesn't, that doesn't apply to you. You've got to believe. Do you believe that Jesus is alive? Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? Have you received him as your Lord, as your Savior? Have you given your life to him and surrendered to who he is? Are you experiencing this resurrection life that only Jesus can provide? Today, if you need forgiveness, if you need freedom, if you need life-changing power, if you need to know God, why are you seeking the living among the dead? Come to Jesus.